0: Hello everyone, and welcome to One Control Four Podcast, episode 220. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today. Talked about video games. We actually got kind of a, a sporadic show today, and and touching on not really so much just like hey, just what I'm playing, or and also what, what like news is happening. I actually did quite a bit. That's just kind of like all over the place. Um, first thing I do want to, do want to mention for for two reasons. One is because it kind of guides our conversation into into part of what I was doing this week, and also because I'm going to guess most of you are not Gabriella's Ghostly Groove fans, but to get your attention if you are, um, so I've been uh, uh, talking a little bit with uh, somebody in that, that Japanese com- uh, community called uh, Misuke Don, um, and they are currently doing a uh, fan book for Gabriella's Ghostly Groove. Uh, which if you don't know what Gabriella's Ghostly Groove is, it's kind of a, um, a rhythm game for the Nintendo 3DS. There's actually some other games around it as well on uh, Wii. Uh, a handful of mobile games, too. So it's it a Natsume-specific property here in the U.S. I don't know who published it in Japan, to be honest with you. Uh, I do know Santa Entertainment was the developers, though, and they have kind of an interesting history of games. They they only, they did Cheer We Go for the DS, which is more in the Gabriella's Ghostly Groove kind of like you know young young girl rhythm game you know style kind of thing um and then they actually worked on like uh typing software for pc and then also uh strategy rpgs for the dreamcast two of them i think i think one is a um langrisser game maybe i I need to double check There's, there's one that like i recognize the names like oh that's a series i know and the other one i didn't recognize at all um, although I think I've, I had uh, looked into it and, like a friend of mine had talked about it forever ago. So I'm not really sure, you know, how many staff members existed p- between that time and Gabriella's ghostly groove. Um, to my understanding, and I, I could be wrong, um, I, I don't think the company's around anymore. I think Gabriella was their, their kind of last um, uh, dish effort to succeed. And I think it found some success, or at least they create a lot of properties around Gabriella. It was somewhat recognizable to some degree. Um, but it didn't really stick around, and I think by the end of, like, 2014 or so, uh, they, they had kind of more or less, uh, phased out. It was probably closer to, like, 2012, 2013. It was, it's, Gabriella was kind of interesting where it was, like, originally it was a DS game, and then they, like, reused the assets for a lot of other things. And then also they put out, like, the, 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 actual DS game that was, was essentially canceled as a 3DS game later. So, it's, it's an interesting little game. But anyways, they're making a fan book, and they're looking for people to do, like, um, uh, uh, fan art written stuff as well as like congratulatory messages um i submitted a message on my own but i don't expect anybody here to probably be a gabriella fan or anyone who who who, who you know uh has a ton of interest in that but i figured that the the least thing you do is mention it um it, it seems like they had have- trouble getting people to to contribute unfortunately so so i think i'm the the one uh person outside of japan who submitted which is maybe not that surprising given uh you know what it is but yeah and, and, and like for that artist in particular uh Don, um they they do a lot of other stuff too in terms of like retro games and hololive um and, and general, just like a cute theme in general really so so yeah, if, you, if you're if you interested, I'll have a, a, the link to the uh, the post. She put a uh, post up in Japanese and a post up in English. So I think the deadline's like September 5th or something. So it is coming up fairly soon. Um, so if you want to get in there, kind to figure it out. Um, so while I was trying to kind of spread the word of that a little bit, one thing I did look into, and this is something I've been meaning to do for a long time, was um, to try to better understand what kind of communities are out there for um, what would I guess you'd call games for girls? I think that's what I've generally heard them. They're turned as, you know, when we're talking about like things like a doll Aikatsu, Prepara, uh, Happy Dance Collection, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. Those kind of games that are that are very much in the in the aesthetics of, uh, maybe not necessarily like a specific genre specifically aimed at like, you know, attracting girls, but, but the aesthetics of the game and a lot of the focus and kind of the structure, uh, seems adjusted to, to, to kind of fit that, that role a little bit. Um, so I went looking around just to see like what kind of coverage was out there of that stuff. Cause I, I haven't really explored much of it myself, to be honest with you. I know, uh, Tamahiro, she's done like a video or multi- or a few videos on games for girls kind of thing. Um, but outside of that, I wasn't aware of too many. Um, there's a couple other ones that I, I looked at their videos. They they more have had one-off stuff, which you know I can't say anything. I'm I'm, I'm very much just like when I get time, I will do a games for girls video kind of thing. <laughs> Hasn't really been my focus. Uh, but I was kind of curious about people who who actually um uh, focused on the, that. So I did actually stumble across a handful of YouTube channels. Uh, some of them I think were were better at it than others. Um, Other ones, I think more or less, it, it's kind of the challenge that I think those those channels have. It's, it's similar to, like, the VTuber situation where, like, I feel like every single VTuber plays Apex to some degree because that's just the thing VTubers do. I mean, it, obviously they do it because it's, you know, uh, uh, it's successful for them and it brings people in. And Apex is, you know, at least big in Japan, or at least last I heard it was big in Japan. Um so it feels very much like those have the similar situation like Animal Crossing where like the majority of their channel is like some kind of Animal Crossing like design thing or like I'm I'm doing this with my Animal Crossing village kind of thing um, I, I don't personally find those videos super interesting. Um, not to say that there's no value to them. Just, like, for me, as somebody who's looking for, like, more, like, analytical discussion of games, um, I, I have a little bit of a harder time with, with, with those videos. Or at least I can watch a couple of them, but usually I can't, like, sit there and really stick with it kind of thing. So so I did check out a few channels. That, and There's a few channels that they actually did go in a bit more um, uh, in-depth on that stuff. So I may... Um, Depending on, on where things go, because, you know, honestly, I don't really have a ton of plans myself for Games for Girls content, but I do really want to do more. Um, I have the Happy Dance Collection video coming out next week, but I may um, try to see if it makes sense to reach out to some of them and maybe do a little bit of podcast thing. I'll talk a little bit more about what I'm doing with the Multi-Tap podcast here at the end because I did finally record one again. Um, so we'll get a bit more detail about that at the end of the show as itself. Um, one thing I did do, actually, in in, in kind of relation to this, and, and if you know me and my Discord, uh, uh, I don't know if habits is the right word, but how I use Discord, <laughs> um, I tend to join a lot of very niche groups. And I'll be like, yeah, let me jump in here to see what's going on. What's going on in this space? What, what does the Quest 64 Discord fan group look like? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's cool. I like seeing people in there be, like, super passionate about Quest 64. That's awesome. I love that. I don't personally like Quest 64 that much, but I love that somebody loves Quest 64 that much. Um, anyways, but like, so I joined a, a Discord group that was for, I think it's called like Girls Games. Um, I think it's like a spinoff from like a Reddit uh, board. Although I don't think I could find the Reddit board, so I, I don't know for sure. Um, but I think the general idea with the... the, the um, the Discord is is to have more like cute games and things like that in there, um, so it's it interesting to kind of sit there and look at kind of the broad spectrum of what the appeal is for that. Obviously, me being a, a guy who came into this, you know, quite a bit later in life um like my my perspective on it's probably pretty different compared to somebody who you know uh grew up in in then in that kind of environment with those particular types of games and also like you know just j- j- different general appeal I definitely am more of coming from a more traditional i think uh i don't know i i have weird- opi- weird thoughts and opinions on games in general so i won't get too much into that but anyways Um, but it was interesting to see like just kind of what types of games they were talking about in there. And I, I participated a bit, chatted a little bit in there. Um, one thing that they did have was like a resource of good, uh, games for girls content kind of thing. Um, so like basically saying, Hey, here's some good articles and things like that. Some good videos, um, so I, I clicked around a handful of those and it was kind of interesting to read a little bit. There were some like charts and graphs that I really didn't hundred percent understand the point of, I didn't really inquire too much about it, but it was like, Hey, here's like a, like a division of where women are in terms of platforms they're on and the genres they're playing. And, and I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. I don't really know. Like, I don't know what to do with this information other than just be like, okay. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting to see uh, that, that, that information, but really more than, more than anything, I was reading kind of the articles in there. And I think it was one of the interesting takeaways that I had from reading those articles was, um, something that I, that I've talked about before, uh, if not on the podcast, at least personally, of just feeling like, um, obviously when, when, at least within America, but you know, it's it's all over the world, uh, you know, when, when, when you are, a guy that is... You have, like, this general expectation of what you're interested in. So it took me a long time to kind of overcome that that hoop of, like, hey, I like these more, like, cute feminine things. Um, and, and that was something I grew up... I'm pretty sure grew up liking, but I just... I always had to make excuses for liking it or excuses for why I'm interacting with it or or being just, like, generally em- embarrassed about it. And I think that's kind of... As, as, as someone who's a dude, that probably makes a lot of sense, right? Um, but I, I think what it was... Interesting to me when those articles I was reading was just this feeling um, from some of the women writing them that, like, those types of kind of games for girls kind of thing, um, they aim at, like, like, a very particular market of, like, young girls but they don't really seem to often, or and and a lot of these articles are fairly old, so they're like twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. So some of this was outdated, and I think I think the landscape has changed a lot for this. But um, but it's just like this feeling that basically, like if you're a guy, games kind of grow up with you. You know, we're all playing dad games now because a bunch of people making video games are a bunch of dads now. <laughs> um, where with with games for for girls, they don't really feel like they have that same trajectory that happened, kind of thing. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting to see that basically the feeling that that not so much that they age out of games, but games didn't really age with them kind of thing. So I thought that was an interesting perspective in there. There's also a pretty good article that was about like comparing elite beat agents versus princess debut and kind of, you know, the coverage of them a little bit and also mechanically how the games are different. So that, that was like a fun, fun article to read. One of the nice things about reading a lot of it, it was a lot of stuff that I really couldn't write myself usually. So it was, it was nice to see like, Sometimes when I read an article or, read, or like watch a video, my, my brain's like, well, I, I would have done this differently, or I would have changed that if it were my thing. Um, and, and I think it's easier to do that when I have like that, that, when I feel like I could, I could actually do the video, but in the case of like that princess debut video, just like, or uh, article I read, um, that was, was an interesting approach that I don't think I, I could have taken. Let me, let me get the author for that article real quick. Cause I thought it was a really good article. The author was Alex Roberts, which is muscular Pikachu on uh, on Twitter, and I'll link the article in the in the description. So, anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was like an interesting set of articles to sit down and read and and get like a different perspective on those things. Um, I would like to, like I said earlier, I'd like to do more games for girls stuff, but it's just not really high on the priority list right now, unfortunately. Um, so it's gonna be kind of take what you can get from me right now, at least. <laughs> Happy Dance Collection video will be going up next week, though. So if you're interested in me talking about that game a bit, that will be there. Um, and I and I wouldn't be surprised if you know uh, over time I've touched on a handful of things. The PCFX actually kind of has some interesting stuff with like Comic Road as well, Uh, Albertina Otome, um, uh, Angelique series, things like that. So there's, there's a chance that I'll continue to kind of intersect with that space a little bit. So so yeah um oh one other thing I want to talk about being in that discord and and this is something I found true with a lot of discord channels like when I get into retro groups or or groups that are talking about things um and this is like me being an old man now and by old man I mean I'm 31 (laughs) but seeing seeing people be nostalgic for very interesting things or at least in my mind very interesting uh because I didn't really have the same um perspective on it obviously. So so one of the things that somebody mentioned that group was like this this kind of nostalgic feeling and missing of of popcap games. And, you know, at the time, when you're talking about popcap games, everybody was aware they were very financially successful. But when you talk about the kind of the voices in the industry that were talking about that stuff, it generally was pretty like, hey, pop cap games, uh-huh bejeweled or something like that right so to see somebody like kind of talk passionately about those pop cap games is something that like really jumped out at me i've talked about i think i've talked about this uh, before with like people who talk about the ps3 and 360 generation as these really like creative era in video games when you know at the same time when i was in that conversation you know when i was around 20 it was very much just like eh, ps3 and 360 not very creative gamecube and xbox though <laughs> kind of thing, right? So it's just like an age thing, I think, and and kind of growing out of certain things. I think the big thing I, I, I I try to direct people in a little bit. Maybe this is again me being an old man, but like when I see somebody kind of like harboring is harboring the right word, like like exuding this nostalgia. Um, one of the things that I think is important when you when you talk about nostalgia and 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 what you like in games is trying not to to, to really angle it as this is what games were at their peak or something like that right the games we as people are defined by the games that we we play right and like what our preferences are and things like that. that's why i can't get into minecraft minecraft probably or at least have not tried to really get into minecraft because i look at that and go like in the context of what i like in video games this does not really match up. That doesn't mean that I can't like it, but, but it is one of those things that I look at and like, like that kind of style of open world sandbox, almost Lego, uh, like, like setup up, um, is something that just, just does not really connect to me. And so when I look at like Dragon Quest Builders, I'm like, yes, that's much more appealing to me because it's like a structure to it. And, you know, I play a lot of games with the structure and things like that um and you know maybe that's part of that's just like my my personal taste in game in general but i feel like i feel like the era of which you play games informs how you how you feel and, and, and like games but i think the big thing to always keep in mind when you're looking at this era and you're like this era is distinct for these reasons that doesn't necessarily mean it's better than the other eras of games it just means that is different i think and yes you may prefer those differences and so to, in, in your mind that might be the best time of, of, of gaming essentially um but i think it's just an recognizing it's a different thing not that oh you know the modern market is so much worse because xx x and x don't exist anymore and because xx and x exist um i think that's my my kind of feeling on how to approach nostalgia with that stuff uh i don't know maybe i'm just rambling again becoming an old man i try i try to hold back on being like too forceful with that i'm just like hey think about it this way and then if they really push back i'm like all right i'm good i won't I won't say nothing to you. Enjoy video games however you want to enjoy them. Do that. Speaking of enjoying video games however you want to enjoy them, the PlayStation Vita. I want to enjoy games on the PlayStation Vita. However, the thing I've struggled with the PlayStation Vita for the last... I don't know how long it's been. It feels like it's been years at this point. It's probably true. Um, Is that my memory card for my Vita has been steadily dying. Um, It sometimes functions. It sometimes does not. It, it, it it's slowly gotten worse um and i was like i am not buying another sony memory card because not only are they apparently expensive um it seems like general anecdotal reporting says that those memory cards are not built to last essentially they're probably going to die um so i i did the thing Ev- pretty, probably a lot of Vita fans do. <laughs> uh, I, I went ahead and, uh, and hacked my system. I tried to do this a couple weeks ago, but I ran into some problems. And thankfully, I did not brick my Vita. It was in a weird state, but I was able to kind of get it out of that state and and pull it back together. And and so now I'm 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 uh, I have a completed setup for that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. Uh, there seems to be like some decent video guides online. I used the usual website. I think it's called like 3D 3dshacks.org or something like that don't put that url in specifics. i'm not 100 sure if that's it but google 3ds hacks and you'll probably find like the most popular online guide for it that's why i usually use that that particular website it's got like the kind of like grayish blackish background kind of thing and i use that for like wii 3ds wii u things like that for some reason the vita guide was incredibly convoluted and maybe it's just something to do with like how vita uh, setup stuff has to be but it just was not particularly clear. And a lot of the processes it was asking me to do, I found I ran into a lot of like conflicts and things like that. And and I kinda ended up in situations where I couldn't actually even write like data to to, to my my memory card for a little bit, which was weird. And so eventually I just kind of used another method to kind of like band-aid on top of my current hacked setup. You, from like a youtube video and and it seems like there are better resources than that website which is pretty rare i feel like that website is usually pretty spot on when it comes to hacking stuff but for some reason the vita guide i had a lot of trouble with so maybe i'm just bad maybe i'm just dumb but um yeah so i hacked my vita and that was a fun experience it took a very long time i started uh pretty pretty late in the afternoon and And then, uh, I don't, I wasn't finished until like early morning the next day (laughs) I should have went to sleep, but I kind of want to just get it to where I wanted it to be and finish it. So the things I really did with it was just, you know, make it so I could use the, um, the game card slot for a SD, uh, memory card or SD, uh, SD card. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you don't know with the Vita, there's like a, there's like a proprietary memory format you use or proprietary memory card you use, uh, that fits in that slot and as far as I'm aware no one's really made like alternative uh, things for that I don't know why if there's a reason for that but basically apparently for whatever reason um, when it comes to custom firmware hacking and things like that and and, and creating your own memory and using an SD card instead of a uh, Sony's proprietary card um, for some reason using the actual game card slot on the Vita uh, is, is what ultimately is the, the best option. Um, or at least the only option as, as far as I'm aware right now. So that, that kind of sucks in terms of like, Hey, if you want to have physical copies that you want to utilize, um, obviously it's not really going to let you do that because you're using that, that slot for space. So I did go ahead and just download all the games that I have physically on there. It was like, all right, plop that on there. So I did that. Um, same thing for PSP, but I mean that was always a problem with the Vita and the PSP. Is like if you don't, there's no UMD slot on your your Vita, so so you have to actually just uh, you know up up or down or put the uh, the disc image on there essentially. So so I was able to get all that set up and generally pretty happy with it. Um, and, and I like the Vita uh, the the PSP uh, setup for the, the the custom firmware situation because you can actually load up the the PSP like emulator in there and like bring up the system menus and things like that, which I don't think was a thing on, on the base Vita. Even when you're playing PSP games, you have to use the actual Vita interface. So it was nice to be able to use that um, that for, for some things. Um, and I, I like the uh, cross-media bar in general. The bubbles on the Vita is just kind of a little weird. So installing Vita games was incredibly easy. Um, the, the installing of PSP games is slightly more complicated, but once you have it set up, it, it is pretty much just drop the disc images in and you're good to go. I also took it as an opportunity to patch some games that I was uh, wanting to check out. Uh, one being Fancy Star Nova. As far as I can tell, the Fancy Star Nova patch is not complete. I don't know how complete it is, um, but it has like a beta release and I think it's like on version 1.05. I didn't do a ton of digging. I don't get the impression it's an active translation right now, Um, but if if I'm wrong, I am sorry. Feel free to comment about me being wrong. (laughs) Um, I did see, and I I don't know if I talked about this on the show before and I don't know if I saw this before. Fancy Star Portable 2 Infinity uh, had its fan translation completed last year. So that was exciting. I, I feel like maybe I saw it, but at the time I kind of written off because I just was like, I'm not getting to the city time soon, kind of thing. Um, so I, I went ahead and fan patched that because I do have a copy of that as well um, and installed that. And then also, Valkyrie Chronicles 3. I, per- I purchased a physical copy of Valkyrie Chronicles 3, um, the standard edition. I wasn't aware that apparently there's a second release of Valkyrie Chronicles 3 in Japan called the Extra Edition, which included downloadable quests and things like that. Um, So the fan translation works with that specific version, apparently. Um, So I don't actually have the specific version it works with. Uh, But from my understanding with Valkyrie Chronicles 3, the um, side quests and stuff that was added as DLC wasn't even translated, really. So you're still only really getting the core game with the fan translation. And the, the little bits of information I found when I was, like, trying to look into this was that generally the translation is not entirely complete, but it's very complete in the way of, like, understanding the story and being playable and things like that but you may not have like if if like a text box might say like defeat the enemies or something it might just not translate that because it's just what you have to do like that that kind of information i guess i'm not saying that's a specific example that exists in the game but it seemed like that kind of info like this info doesn't really matter may have been left untranslated so um, Valkyria Chronicles 3 is something I've been wanting to play for a long time. I recently got kind of the itch to do it, which is part of the reason why I think I pushed to, to, uh, patch my, or to, to, uh, mod my Vita. So that was fun. Um, and yeah, so that means we can go ahead and check out some, some Vita games on stream again, probably. Um, so maybe, maybe once we finish up, uh, the current game we're streaming, Scourge Hive, maybe we'll have a little bit of an intermission where we, we have like a little Vita PSP Custom firmware test stream and play around with some stuff. I could not get my Fantasy Star Portable 2 save data to work. I'm not quite sure what happened. It said, it seemed to say something about like the date of the save did not match the date of the Vita itself. I did check the date of my, my Vita and it did seem like the the, the the day was fine. And I loaded up my Fantasy Star Portable 1 save data which was fine as well. So I'm not quite sure what happened with that Fancy Star Portable 2 save data. I'm not too concerned. You can technically import it into Fancy Star Portable 2 Infinity. There's some weird stuff you got to do to make that work um, with a US copy of PSP2 going to a Japanese, you know, only Fancy Star Portable 2 Infinity. Um, So I think I probably won't won't really mess with that. That and Fancy Star Portable 2 Infinity added a extra... um, uh, race, and I would rather play as the new race rather than the uh, the old race. I think so. So I will I will probably not really bother trying to restore that. And obviously on my original PSP, I have to Star Portable Two installed and everything still. So at least for now, that character is safe and fine there. And if we really want to, we can revisit it using the PSP's video out. But very happy. I'm not a big fan of using the PSP's video out. I'm really glad it's a feature on there. But you know, when you're actually using the PSP as a controller. It's, it's pretty cramped and depending on the game, it can be a little challenging. So being able to use a DualShock 3 or in the case of, you know, um, um, uh, well, I have a Vita TV specifically, so I can use a DualShock 3 or I can use, I believe, a DualShock 4 as well if I really wanted to. Um, that, that, that's kind of a nice thing about it. I don't have an original Vita with like the, you know, just being a portable system, but the reality is, is these days i so rarely need a portable system. Nintendo stuff always covers me at this point. It's not that I particularly, you know, don't have an interest in, in having a portable Vita, but it's just when I sit down and look at it realistically, it's like, this is going to be relevant in like once every two years of my life, probably. <laughs> so, so yeah, I do need to try to figure out how to get the XLink Kai stuff set up with fancy star Nova still um so i'll have to look into that uh but we'll see that that whole x kai thing with vita and psp games seems like a bit of a nightmare thankfully i think uh the psp's um remote i think uh, ad hoc party i think is what it's called so it's like where you can use your, your ps3 as a way to kind of play with others online using a local internet connection psp game um i think that is still in place you can still utilize it so something like fancy star portable 2 infinity might actually work all right um, but Face Star Nova, that that game was not supported in that uh, ad hoc party kind of uh, situation. So uh, using X-League and Kai is the only way to really do that. And there's you're using a lot of old tech with that, and having to use like an old operating system in Windows, it's it's kind of a nightmare. So yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm looking at maybe rolling my laptop back to Windows Seven. I just am having harder and harder time making my laptop uh, be useful these days. You know, it's basically almost ten years old at this point. So Probably fairly reasonable to expect that. Um, so so yeah, but yeah, I had I as, as much time as it took. It was fun to do, and I was glad I got everything set up. And it, it feels good to finally be able to really utilize my Vita again. Cause with that dead memory card, it was like unless I'm really willing to buy either a very tiny card or like spend a ton of money. And I I haven't looked at prices in the last couple of years e- either. Either to be honest with you, um, but generally I hear prices are going up on that stuff. And and things i have not seen the evidence to assess, suggest otherwise at this point so so yeah uh, in terms of games i played this week i i played a bit more active life uh explorer so i think i'm almost done with that game i'm in world six right now so i believe there's maybe eight worlds in that game um, still kind of the same thing, you know, there's a lot of repeating mini-, mini games, but they are generally fun, and I think they generally have a good amount of variety to them, despite a lot of the control methods being very similar. One thing I complained last time about was the precision of, of using your feet on the, the mat. So if you haven't seen Active Life, you use a like a floor mat, similar to, like a power pad, um to, to control the game, essentially. So you plug into the GameCube slot, use your feet to play the game. Um and, but in the same way of like, hey it's it's basically a power pad um you know it's really just looking for something to be touching that 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 spot on the ground so if you're like hey you need to run for this segment you don't necessarily have to run and sit there and slap your hands on the pad um so i started using that for certain things that i just found i was not really getting enough information on exactly how certain mechanics worked to to properly play the mini games at times um the biggest one is like the the mummy tomb escape or something like that. There's this gate that you need to kind of unlock. And as many times I've read the instructions, as many videos I've looked at online, I still cannot figure out how it works. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Um, but thankfully that mission has it where even if you fail that, the, like the final gate, it will drop you down and you have to do just like really fast run. And so I started like, I tried running it, but it was just way too fast. So eventually I just started doing this, the hand slapping. So so I started doing that in cases where that kind of thing happened, or or in the case of like, there's a game where you like have to move your box around and like catch gems. Just using your feet is just not, for me at least, it's very challenging to to properly line yourself up to where the where the gems are going are being caught. And so I started using my hands to just kind of move it because it's just a little easier to do that. So it is cheating a bit, um, but at the same time, I I kind of look at the game realistically, what I want to do with it. And, you know, I I do try try all the games using my feet. um, And I I fully believe they're all very playable, probably using your feet. um, But I think that lack of precision um, is, is really kind of the big driving force of me using my hands instead in certain situations but if i can do it with my feet i will do it with my feet um so so been doing that that's been fun i but yeah i think i'm almost finished up with that one and then we might play some more active life games uh or i might play some more active life games it is a pretty decent workout probably more so than happy dance collection i, I at least start sweating a bit so that's that's probably something at the very least <laughs> um I also played Chojin Heki's Zoroigar a bit. This is actually, um, you're going to actually see this. I pre-recorded a stream for this week because I will not be available to stream um, basically anytime this week, probably. Maybe, potentially, I would have been able to on Friday, but even then, I don't know what Friday looks like right now for me. Um, if you don't know, I'm basically going to go visit my family this week, uh, or rather, our family's going to go on a little, like I guess, bubble vacation kind of thing. Um, I technically will still be working during it, but but uh, I won't be recording anything for the for the website or the or the, the YouTube channel. So, um, so I, I pre-recorded that. And Chojin Henki's One thing I mentioned in there is that like I have not played many shoot 'em ups. Like like that's something that I I still don't really think about very often. But it's probably kind of something I should address. Is just like the only shoot 'em up I've ever played is Soldier Blade. Um, and I think, I think the problem with shoot 'em is the same thing I have with a lot of like visual novel style games or Otome games where I look at a lot of them and they all kind of blend together for me. Um, and that's not to say they aren't different, but when I look as an outsider looking in, they kind of all blend together in a way that it makes it really hard for me to kind of pick and choose what I want to play out of there because I have a hard time finding something that, that interests me. So I have to go like a lot of the more surface level stuff, like, like dear my son, which I don't even know if that's fully like an Otome game or not, but it looks like somewhat of a life simulator mixed with the Otome game kind of thing. That has the novelty if you're playing a mom in that game. Like that is, that's a game that caught my attention there. So so, so when it comes to shooters, it's pretty rare anything catches my attention. I will say nothing specifically about Shoujin Heki Zero caught my attention. This is a PCFX shooter, by the way. Um, so other than the fact that it's on the PCFX, so it's basically a game where where you level up and you actually like gain weapons throughout, which is not something I've personally experienced. But again, have not played that many of these games. <laughs> um, but it is like a fun, uh, fun top down shooter, and I think it was is overall enjoyable and it's also very easy to get through. Um, Soldier Blade was a game I killed myself trying to beat. Um, where where this game I, I more or less was able to just kind of you know level up my way past things. So it's it's very kind of like this Dragon Quest kind of idea in a in a in a top down shooter of just like hey if you keep playing enough, eventually you're going to get through because you're going to be powerful enough. And there's like special skills you can upgrade that, that uh, some of them get incredibly broken. I think the, uh, I think it's called like the heat, heat bullet or something like that, that I use that, that destroyed everything. Once it got to a high enough level is really, really good. And I pretty much relied on that. Um, what I didn't realize in that game, and I don't know how true this is for other shooters. is it seems like there's this, um, a lot of modes Um, and I didn't check all of them out but there's one that's like a a mode that's like a trial mode that's one I did not actually like play as far as I'm aware there's also like a battle zone mode where you can choose different flight or fighters in that game and then like you can choose I think the area you go to I think yeah you choose the zone you can go into or it might be actually I'm not remembering this 100% right I I haven't really played it but it was like it's basically you can kind of reapproach a level it's the same level in terms of like the background visual and things like that but the actual things you're fighting and the mech you're using are different and there's also like another mode where it's like it replaces the story mode with like this very cute version of it kind of where you play as the girl instead of the guy or something and and like so it's like these really cute little interstitial things rather than like the fully animated cutscenes it's more of just like cute little drawings and things like that. So that was that was a fun little thing. I didn't really expect that much out of the game and that much like a uh uh um uh, I guess kind of reconfiguring of the options there. I was, I was thinking it was going to be a game I was going to play once and be done with, but very clearly I need to spend more time with it to just kind of understand what's going on there better. Um I like that it's like that. I don't again, I don't know if other top-down shooters really like that i don't have any experience with them really so i don't know if there's like a ton of diversity in those games in terms of the different modes and things like that i feel like most top-down shooters i look at and it's just like here's the score attack mode and that's kind of <laughs> but again barely ever play them mostly mostly, 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 mostly in arcades i can get words right um is where i end up playing them so maybe home console versions are different things like that zero as far as i'm aware is a home console exclusive game and a PCFX exclusive game. So if you want to play a PCFX game, that's one you should probably play. If you like top-down shooters, I can't speak to its quality, but it's a shooter. <laughs> it's playable. Um, so, so yeah. And that's pretty much all I ended up playing this week for the most part. We did play God Eater, actually. We did we did play a little bit of that. Nothing really new there. God Eater 3, man. I know I just, every time God Eater 3 comes up, I'm just like, oh, man, I wish this game was just more interesting just so little is happening i don't know we're technically in the second phase of the story now so at least in the case of god eater 2 and in some aspects of god eater 1 that's when the game usually got more interesting so hopefully this is the point in time but when i look at the mechanics of this game and what's there i don't really know what they will add if they add anything um so we'll see maybe they'll add some new mechanic i'll be like oh yeah awesome cool cool video game but i just don't like the characters that much in this game i don't care about the story and then mechanically there's a lot of things about it that i I can appreciate what they're trying to do in terms of balance but because it's so balanced i feel like a lot of the features or a lot of the 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 mechanics you interact with feel almost like throwaway at times like when you actually interact with it when you actually put them all together it makes sense but but nothing feels like particularly super powerful so when you learn something new it's just kind of like yeah the number went up. I can confirm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on God Eater 3. I don't know. But I'm definitely kind of ready for that game to just end at this moment. I don't know how many hours we have in it. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We won't be playing this next week. So more of a gap. We haven't played the last like two or three weeks either. <laughs> in terms of news this week, uh, there was a few different things. that I don't really have a lot to say about, to be honest with you. Just two things, actually um there's a shining force i believe mobile game that was announced i've never played a shining force game i've played shining resonance technically a part of the shining series there uh but yeah uh that's kind of neat the 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 shining force series is like a top-down strategy RPG. The Shining series has gone through so many genres; it's so bizarre. um But yeah, that that it's it's based off those earlier Shining games. I believe it is a new game, but it's not. Uh, but it's like in the style of those older games. What's kind of interesting about it visually, though, actually, is um, it is one of those games that has like hand drawn art at this point, right? So the original games were on the Genesis, or at least the ones I'm familiar with were on the Genesis. I believe there's a Saturn one as well, at the very least. Saturn. I think there's three Saturn releases. I think it's like Episode One, Two, and Three of Shining Force Three. That. That sounds right in my brain, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Shining fans, I don't know your series very well. I know that Media Vision works on it sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it's it's kind of like an isometric strategy RPG. And like it has this hand-drawn art that looks very similar to like what Streets of Rage 4 kind of looks like. As well as Windjammers 2 and things like that. What's kind of interesting is that the character in that game very much had very 90s, 90s aesthetics and to see that kind of extrapolated from not just being a pixel art game but also it's like a hand-drawn thing and everyone has their giant chins i'm like oh man <laughs> i like this this is a weird like my brain is telling me it looks bad but my heart says it looks great <laughs> so so i appreciate that they took that approach to some degree um, but, but I can understand why some people would be like, maybe, maybe update these a little bit more. I didn't really look at the the reception of it though, so I have no idea how people feel about it. I, I don't know any Shining fans, to be honest with you, so I, I don't know how they feel about it either. I don't know that many, like, big Sega fans in my life. I'm, they're out there. They exist. I can tell you that. I just know Sonic fans. That's the big thing. But like, like people are like, oh yeah, Shinobi. I don't know many people like that. Um, the other thing that came out was, uh, speaking of 90s video games, Valus Collection, or rather it's not out, but it's available for pre-order. You can buy the Valus Collection now. I believe it was on Amazon.com. Somewhat affordable, although I think the shipping cost is actually somewhat high. Uh, it was like 45 bucks, I think, for, for the Valus Collection. I was not aware that the Valus Collection, if you don't know what Valus is, like a side-scrolling, uh, anime girl, um, series of action games for the, uh, well, I think they're originally PC games, so they got ports like Super Nintendo, Genesis, uh, PC Engine. I think the PC Engine is really where people grasped onto it. You know, that, the the library of the PC Engine and things like that is a bit different from, um, you know the the there's definitely more of an anime aesthetic to the pc engine I- library that definitely existed on pcfx or not pcfx i was thinking about pcfx because that is a part of that legacy um but of like super nintendo and, and and genesis but pc engine definitely feels more like rooted in japanese anime in a way that the super nintendo and genesis aren't um so i think that's maybe why it stood out a bit more there i think the, some of the games didn't come out on certain platforms as well and some of them got localized on certain platforms but the ones didn't Um, but yeah, this is a Switch re-release of those, those first three games. I don't know what version of the games they are actually, because there are a lot of versions of them. Um, I assume just like maybe the Genesis or TurboGrafx versions. Uh, but, but it looks neat. I think the one thing I was not aware of is that, uh, Valus 4 was not available or not on that collection, which seems kind of weird. Um, just because there's only, as far as I'm aware, there's only like a handful of Valus games. I feel like there's an SD Valus game that sounds right. Um, there's Vallas four. And then the one I do not expect to be on there at all is Valus X because that's like an erotic game PC, like visual novel kind of game thing. Um, which actually I looked into this a little bit, um, cause we were talking about, I was talking about with a, a friend cause they're like, I think there's like five games and it's, I don't know if they released separately, but there are five episodes. And so the first like episode one through episode four, were like erotic retellings of those first four games which I thought was kind of interesting that they decided to go back and kind of reference that material and it makes me wonder a little bit about you know uh, when you say a game is erotic in 18 plus that doesn't necessarily mean it's like all just like oh ho ho kind of stuff right there can be value to it uh, outside of that um, and sometimes the erotic elements can be a value in itself in terms of storytelling and things like that uh, I don't know the case for Valis. There are definitely those kind of games that are literally just like, Hey, 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 how can we show you things as fast as possible kind of thing? Um, but in the case of Valis, I don't really know. So I'm curious how, like how much, if they expanded the story at all in there or, or cause you know, it is a much more text dense game compared to probably the, the console versions and things like that. So I'm kind of curious of what that game looks like and how much of it, um, conti- contributes to the Valis universe I think it's obvious that that's going to be at least unless they rework it, it's probably not ever going to come out on consoles at the very least again. And depending on the type of content that's in there, I could definitely see them being like, "Let's not, let's not reference this ever again." You know, depending on how raunchy it is, right? So um, yeah, I don't know if I'll pick up that collection. I thought about it. One was the shipping. I think the shipping from Amazon for some reason was it going to be like twenty five bucks for me. I was like, huh. <laughs> but the other thing was just like I have a lot of these like 16bit game collection things and while I definitely have an interest in ballast, um I think my efforts would be better focused elsewhere. Um, the PCFX being clearly one to me, I-, I don't remember if I talked about this on a podcast. I think I may have talked about it on that podcast that I scrapped a while ago of just like to me the PC FX in my mind kind of occupy occupies a space between like 16 and 32bit games. Or at least like between Super Nintendo and like, you know, PlayStation 64 Saturn, things like that. Maybe it's just because of the fact that it is a system so focused on 2D, but it feels like something that is a bit more um, a bit more in line with the consoles that were coming out beforehand and what they were trying to do rather than what the 32-bit generation was trying to do. Um, for, for better or for worse, right? Uh, I think obviously from a financial and success perspective, it was for the worse. But when we talk about, you know... the the personality the PCFX has and and the type of console it is, I'm, I'm very happy. It's a very distinct console between PlayStation, Saturn and and, and 64. I I want as many consoles to do as many different things and specialize in many different things. Um, but again, I'm not the one trying to sell a console to people. So, uh, but I don't think NEC is currently, uh, worried about the PCFX sales because, uh, it's been long dead. So, so yeah, anyways, I don't don't know how we got back on that from Valus, but of anime games i don't know anyways that was collection that's pretty much all i had in terms of news though so um, i'm glad i was able to talk through a lot of stuff hopefully a good chunk of it was interesting i think video games are cool um do you uh one thing that i i I do i did go ahead and do and i want to talk a little bit about um ahead of time just because i want to make sure you guys understand the reason why i did this and then also uh give you some expectations of 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 going forward the multi-tap episodes will look like so I went ahead and recorded a multi-tap episode and if you don't know what that is I have podcasts I do with other people and they get called multi-tap just because I couldn't think of a better name and you know it's an easy thing to do and now I've given up on giving it a better name so it's just called the multi-tap podcast now um and beforehand these were very outlined things I spent a lot of time on and trying to create this very kind of all-inclusive conversation about something And while, you know, I, I am generally very proud about what I did and, and I enjoyed it. The amount of work put into it was very high and my personal focus is on videos, right? And the podcasts are not a huge focus of mine. I use the main reason I do this podcast is to make a commitment that I keep things moving because the problem I used to have before I did the podcast was I would go nine months without doing anything basically And for better or for worse, you know, I, I, this has kept me going to where I'm trying to put out stuff fairly regularly. I think the stream as well has kind of brought me into that space too a little bit. Um, but, but so, so I don't really have a huge, well, I would like to do like those big podcasts with like very distinct outlines. I just don't, Think it makes a lot of sense right now for me doing it where I'm at and what I want to focus on. So, what, but I do want to keep working with people and still talk to people on podcasts. So, for the multi tap episodes, I'm going to basically have a more conversational show is going to be more about me asking questions. That being a key thing. I think that was a problem with the old podcast as I went in with too much that I wanted to say. And, you know, you guys hear enough of my voice already. So being able to, to ask questions and let people talk on the show and hopefully have that interaction. Not that I'm going to just like shut up forever. Right. But, um, but trying to, to make sure that that conversation happening. That was, I think to me, especially in the back half, I was like, I'm starting to recognize this as an issue where like I have something I want to say, And then the other person would try to say something, but then like it went outside the outline. So like, I would always try to bring it back to the outline. And, and I think that was just too aggressive, um, for that. So anyways, that's generally what's happening in the multi-tap episodes. So this next multi-tap episode, there's another ripple here. Please, please give me a moment just to explain this. Um, so the next multi-tap episode is actually someone who reached out to me. Um, they are a developer on a Kickstarter game, uh, and... The I don't know how much you guys care, but but as somebody who has paid attention to the industry a long time, and maybe this is a very old way of thinking about Kickstarter, there's there's a hesitance to bring someone who has a Kickstarter on on to to the podcast just because there is an investment into like bringing them on, especially when it's like an incomplete Kickstarter that they're trying to raise funds for kind of thing. And so I think a lot of game publishers and things like that, um, or game news outlets, I should say uh started kind of tightening up on those and and not bringing on people who are actively funding, but once they have something funded, they would be more likely to bring it on. Um, so so this game is funded and completed. They do actively accept donations towards the project. Um, and I don't really have any bones about, about them advertising that to some degree. Um, but because I wanted to make sure it was a game that was, you know, most likely going to end up coming out and releasing at some point. Um, that does not that's not a guarantee of commitment for me to cover it in the future. Um, but the big reason why I brought them on in general um, is that I think Kowloon Walled City is a very interesting place. And this game is set in Kowloon Walled City. So I wanted to talk a lot about that aspect and building out a game around that that setting. So that was the big drive for me to, to bring them on. If it was something that I had looked at and was like, this is not relevant to anything whatsoever in our group, I, I probably would have turned it down. But when I really sat down and looked at it, I was like, this is of interest and this is something... Cool to bring on, and and it's under the right circ- circumstances. So I just want to give you a heads up because it is a little bit of a weird thing bringing on um, developers of games. I feel like to some degree, but you know, I I am maybe being a little over cautious. You know, I I'm somebody who you know studied in journalism, so whenever there's that kind of stuff, I just get like a little caught up in it, and and I think a lot about it. Um, that's why there's a bunch of disclosures on the website of like, hey, these situations happened and I need to let you know that. One thing I might need to add, actually, one thing I just kind of realized, I don't think I have anything for Scum of the Brave on there. I really should add the Scum of the Brave disclosure on there, too. Not that I get anything from it, but I have a, I don't want to say a personal relationship with the author, but I have interacted with them personally a bit, so that's what I need to add, so that's a good reminder to do that. Anyways, that's that for that. So as I said earlier, I won't be streaming this week, but there will be a pre-recorded stream. It will be a premiere stream, so you can go ahead and watch it and then talk in the chat if you want. Again, I don't know what the value, like if you guys want to do that, but I figured give it an option if you want to. If I'm available, I will go ahead and join the chat um, in a text form and and chat in there. If I'm not available, rest in peace. Please enjoy yourself (laughs) Um, if you want to see that. And obviously it'll be archived. It's a little bit of a shorter stream too, just because I was going to actually extend it out, but stuff happens. You'll see if you watch it. Um, anyways, so that's happening. And then once we get back, I'm going to go ahead and keep playing Scourge Hive. We started that up last week. It's an um, isometric Metroidvania game on the uh, the DS and GBA, actually. I'm playing the DS version specifically. Um, so that's actually a pretty cool game. It's got some problems, as you'll see if you watch the, the, the stream. But I'm generally pretty en- enjoying it quite a bit um i think it is an an interesting game at the very least and there's like this pretty cool elemental bullet system that um kind of like buffs and and not really debuffs enemies but like will deal more damage to certain enemies but when they like mix and match enemies you know if you're using like an ice attack you know it will instantly kill some enemies but then it'll like buff up the other enemies so like some cool stuff like that you have to keep in mind but the platforming elements are a little um a little troublesome it also feels very much like a european developed like pc game on like the zx spectrum where it's like you're constantly being swarmed with monsters and at some point you're like i'm out of here i'm running <laughs> i'm just gonna go <laughs> just gonna run through this and i'll take damage and it's okay so if you want to check that out you can't otherwise i'll be streaming that again next week i think it'll be probably three streams based off our pro- progress um we got about i think a, a little over one third of the way through so the third stream we might have to find something else to do but you guys know i have a lot of garbage sitting around we can we can mess with for that and, um, and yeah, uh, and then happy dance collection video comes out next week. So please, or this week rather. So please check that out. So this week, throwing our stream this week, happy dance collection video next week. Scourge hive again. I get the next week slash this week mixed up all the time because I technically record this on the weekend. So like my brain's like next week, but it's not next week. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks for listening. One is the website and I hope you have a great week. Bye.